Thanks for listening to the Journey Christian Church podcast. We're on a mission to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Our prayer is that this message encourages you today. And remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible. Hello, Journey friends and family. Good to be with you today as we dive into week four of our series, Awaken. And before we do, I just want to share a couple things with you real quick. One, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Eddie Smith. Did a great job uh, teaching week three, last week's message. If you've not heard that, great message. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Eddie. Did a great job. And then I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for pivoting. We're in a season where the word pivot is common and, I, and, and you've been doing that. Thank you for pivoting with grace. Thank you for the way you've responded. And I just want to give a quick update where we're at. Um, obviously, both locations, uh, we're not meeting in person. We're meeting online uh, due to COVID. And I just want to share one, please be safe. Take this very serious. Uh, we are seeing more and more positive tests results. We're seeing uh, a lot of people be ho- uh, get hospitalized because of this. And, uh, and I got to tell you, church, it, it's, it's breaking our heart as a staff. And uh, a lot of people we love and care for um, are being really, really impacted and are getting really sick. And we don't want that to be you. And so uh, thank you for how you've uh, reached out, how you've encouraged, how you've prayed, how you loved uh, these families so well. And I want to encourage you to continue to do that. Uh, because you're shining brightly. So thank you, and uh, we're grateful for how you're pivoting and how you're loving in this season. And so let's go ahead and dive into our teaching. This is week four of Awaken, How to Revive Your Spiritual Life. And this will be the, the final message in this series. And want to start off in Matthew 4, 25. And Matthew 4, 25 says this, large crowds Gather large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. And I read this verse several months ago, and I remember reading that, and it made me think about the old Sesame Street uh, game. I don't know if you remember this game. There would be this square, uh, and it would have these four objects in it, and it would say, which of these don't belong? Kind of like this one right here. And so it would say, which of these four shapes don't belong. And, and obviously, uh, yeah, you're right. Y'all are all, you, you get it. It's the shaded triangle doesn't belong. And, and we're, we'll do another one. See if you can figure this one out. See which stormtrooper doesn't belong. Yes, you guys are gifted. You guys are great. The one with the disguise. And as I'm reading this verse, that kind of idea came into my mind because Three out of the four cities and communities belong, but one doesn't. And to the Jewish community, they would have known this. I didn't know it at the time, so I had to do a little bit of research. You see, when they would have thought about Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea, these are, these are Jewish communities, but the Decapolis was not. And so one of these didn't belong. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to look at Mark chapters 4 and 5, and I want us to look at how God uses one person to bring revival to a region. With that said, let's go ahead and dive into Mark 4, verse 1. It says this, Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat, sat in it on the lake. 
So here's the deal. Jesus' ministry is growing. He's getting momentum. Things are exploding. He's adding another service. The parking lot's being overrun. I mean, things are going good for Jesus' ministry. And so much to the fact that he has to get on a boat just to be able to teach because the crowd's surrounding him so much. Jesus has momentum. And it reminded me as I read this, you know, that's what journey looked like the first six months of 2021. I mean, we, we were seeing so much momentum. We were in the process of praying about possibly adding another service. We, we saw more baptisms the first six months of 2021 than any other six months in the history of the church. We saw 118 people get baptized. Come on now, that's good news. 118. And there was momentum. And then something happened. And that's where we pick up in Mark 4.35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Now, when you and I hear this verse, we're like, okay, and we just keep going to the next verse. The disciples wouldn't have gone to the next verse so quickly. You see, when Jesus tells the disciples, let's go to the other side, their stomachs would have sank. They would have dropped because they knew what was on the other side. You see, on the other side was the Decapolis. The Decapolis wasn't a city. It was actually a region of 10 collected cities. It would be kind of like saying the South, but it wasn't as big. And I don't think they had as good barbecue. Uh, I could be wrong, but I don't think anybody does good barbecue as much as the South. And so it's kind of like saying the South. It's a region. And you see, as we mentioned earlier, which one of these don't belong? The Jewish community, the disciples, uh, they didn't go hang out in the Decapolis a lot. As a matter of fact, it was a dark and godless place to the Jewish community. It was a pagan community. It was a place that uh, many believe was God forsaken. It was a dangerous place as, um, as the Roman military occupied uh, that place. There was a, a 6,000 soldiers living there, which was called a legion, a legion of 6,000 Roman soldiers. It was demonic. It was pagan. Uh, the symbol for the Roman army was a wild boar. And again, to the Jews, a, a, a pig is unclean. And so this idea that going to the other side had all these ramifications to the disciples. I got to imagine the disciples are thinking when they heard that, man, this man, Jesus done lost his mind. I had a buddy of mine uh, as we were kind of processing this verse. He, he said it kind of reminds him of taking a, a group of homeschoolers on a field trip to Mardi Gras. There would be a little bit of culture shock. And that's what's taking place. And so when Jesus says, let's go to the other side, there was something about to happen. And so they do that. Mark 5, 2 is when we pick it up and it says this, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. And the next several verses gives us a little bit more of a clear picture of who this man is. And so what it goes on to say is that he's been bound by chains and he keeps breaking them. It says that he's demon possessed. Uh, he lives in a graveyard. He's lonely. He's depressed, suicidal. He's naked. And so they literally come to this place and there's a naked, demon-possessed, he-man figure in this setting, which, which for the disciples would have terrified them. But that's exactly who Jesus is going towards. 
And I want you to think about this man. We're seeing him at his very worst. We're reading about him at his very worst. I mean, he's bankrupt in every area of his life. I mean, think about it. Financially, relationally, he's got no friends. He's lonely. He's, he's become an outcast. Mentally, uh, spiritually, educationally, directionally, every area of his life is bankrupt and we're seeing him at his worst. And I want you to see how Jesus responds to his worst because here's the thing. Jesus sees you and I at our worst. And it's important for us to know how he responds to our worst. Mark 5, 6 says this, we'll pick it up. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. So they left a lot of momentum, a lot of fanfare. The disciples were like, man, we are loved over there on the other side. And then they come here and what do they get? They get a naked, crazy man running at them. And the disciples probably thought in their mind, man, that's it. This is how we're going to die. Crazy, naked man's about to kill us. And they went from all these people to one crazy man. Crazy, demon-possessed, naked man. And Jesus begins to have this conversation with them. And he's demon-possessed, and the demon begins to respond to Jesus. Jesus says, what is your name? And he says, Legion. We've heard that word already before. It, it means uh, 6,000 soldiers. So when he says Legion, he says Legion because we are many is what the demon says. And so we don't know. It's, it's plausible to believe that possibly 6,000 demons are in this man. And they begin to have the conversation and the demons ask Jesus, hey, would you send us in to the herd of pigs over there? There was 2,000 pigs uh, over on the countryside. Would you send us into that? You see, why did they ask Jesus for permission? Because Jesus has authority over the demons. And both people knew it. Jesus knew it and so did the demons. The first thing the demons do is they fell down at the knees. They fell on the knees. That's a sign of authority. Then they ask permission. And Jesus says, yes, grant them permission to go in the pigs. The pigs end up uh, kamikaze in it, going into a lake and drowning. And I don't know what 2,000 pigs drowning sounds like, but it created enough commotion that the entire community came out. And I want you to listen to how they responded in Mark 5, 15. When they came, this is the, the village people, the community. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. You see, God did a miracle. He was dressed in his right mind. One, where did his clothes come from? So they weren't just healing a spiritual need. They were also healing a, a physical one. Then the next verse, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. I'm thinking about, man, God just did a miracle in their midst and their response was, Jesus, would you please leave? Why would a community choose pigs and lunatics over the presence of God? Why would a marriage choose coldness over counseling? Why would maybe an addict choose a life of chaos over sobriety? Why would a church choose tradition over a fresh move of God? I think sometimes we're just scared of the unknown, maybe of what it might cost or maybe what uh, we're not sure what will happen. There's always a risk involved with change and the community for one reason or another didn't want that change. And they asked Jesus to leave. 
Mark 5, 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him. He said, but go to your home, to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. I love this. Mark 5, 20. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Isn't that good? I want to share three takeaways from this story that we could take away to apply to our life. The first one is this. Jesus doesn't choose sides. He crosses them. Very first thing that we see is Jesus doesn't choose sides. He crosses them. He tells the disciples, hey, let's go to the other side. You see, many of us, including myself, we wouldn't be where we're at if somebody that loved us and that we love maybe a while ago wouldn't have looked at us and said, hey, uh, there's Dustin. He's on the other side. I'm going to go on the other side and give him the love of Jesus. See, there's somebody in our lives that was bold enough to go to the other side and love us and tell us the hope of Jesus. Invite us to church. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus didn't choose sides. He crosses them. We have to cross sides too. Because oftentimes that's where Jesus is. He's on the other side. There's a Kind of a, a silly illustration of this that I want to share with you. This is in um, John Ortberg's book, Who Is This Man? And he shares a story that I just want to read to you. If I could, humor me. It says this. It says, a man was walking alongside San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge when he saw a woman standing by herself, obviously feeling lonely. He ran up to tell her God loved her. A tear came to her eye. Then he asked her, are you a Christian? A Jew, a Hindu, what? I'm a Christian, she said. He said, me too, small world. Are you Protestant or Catholic? Protestant, me too. What denomination? Baptist, me too. He's blown away. He says, are you Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? She says, Northern Baptist, me too. Northern conservative Baptist or Northern liberal Baptist? Northern conservative Baptist. That's amazing. Me too. Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist or Northern conservative reformed Baptist? Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist. Remarkable. Me too. Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist, Great Lakes region or Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist, Eastern region? She said Northern conservative fundamentalist Baptist, Great Lakes region. A miracle, he said. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. She said, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He shouted, die, heretic, and pushed her over the rail. And obviously that is a comical look, but it's, it's true. Sometimes we as Christians control these lines that Christ and, the, and God have never called us to draw. We're not meant to draw lines. We're meant to cross over them. And that's my prayer. So my question to you might be, who is it in your life that you might feel like you've drawn a line and you need to cross over it and meet them where they're at? The second takeaway is this. When it comes to miracles, I don't want to miss or dismiss them. You see, Mark 5, 17, it says the people begin to plead with Jesus to leave their region. You see, they missed the miracle of God. 
I believe they either missed it or dismissed it. And the truth is, we can all do that, either intentionally or unintentionally. We can miss or dismiss the miracles of God. And this is what I believe. I believe that miracles are a way that God gets glory. I believe that, that miracles point and give glory to the Father. And when we miss the miracles or we dismiss them, we miss an opportunity to point and give glory to the Father. You see, I know this uh, all too well. I did this when I was 22 years old. I missed and dismissed a miracle in my own life. When I was 22 years old, I was uh, in my first youth ministry job and uh, I was praying, having a quiet time, and I felt like God impressed on my heart. He said, you need to go to that school and apply to coach baseball, be their baseball coach. I said, God, I'm not going to go to their school. I know they got a full coaching staff, just not going to do that. And God kept speaking to me, making it clear. He said, you need to go. So I go, I apply. And sure enough, I get a phone call several days later from the athletic director. I was so excited. And he said, hey, thank you so much. It seems like you'd be a great fit. However, uh, we're not looking for any coaches at the moment. Discouraged and kind of defeated. I went back to God. I said, God, I told you. I told you they didn't need any more coaches. Why did you have me apply? What a waste of time. So I thought. Less than a week later, the athletic director calls me again. And he says, hey, Dustin, I don't know what happened, but we've had a co couple coaches uh, quit. One moved out of town. Another one just stepped down for family reasons. And uh, we actually, we would love to extend you a job offer. Uh, it was the quickest interview I've ever had. And he said, hey, if you, if you just uh, can fill out the, the background check, get a physical, uh, we'll go ahead and start you Monday. I said, great, no problem. I'm in. At 22 years old, uh, man, I, I'm not planning on getting a physical for who knows how long. At 22, you feel invincible. I go to my family doctor. I go to, to get a physical by God's grace and kindness. I didn't know this, but my, my family physician used to be a dermatologist. So when I took off my shirt and he's looking at my back, he quickly noticed and had the expertise to say, hey, there's a spot back here that's not good. We, we need to run some tests on it. And so they ended up taking a biopsy. Long story short, came back. He sits me down and he says, he says, Dustin, you have melanoma skin cancer. And being 22 years old, I'm used to uh, playing sports, surfing. And in Florida, I'm like, everybody has, everybody in Florida has skin cancer. So I said, Doc, no worries, just get it out. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, you need to understand this is melanoma is extremely deadly and serious. And, and, and the depth and where it's at, it's not good. I said, okay, what do we need to do? And he said, we need to get you into surgery as soon as possible so we can get this out of you. He said, Dustin, if we would have found this a year later, your chance to survival would have been 10%. That's how serious. And that's when I began to sit up. So long story short, I go into surgery and by the grace of God, I'm here. I'm cancer-free and able to say that I'm a cancer survivor. But here's the thing. I didn't feel like a typical cancer survivor. I, I honestly, I didn't have it as bad as a lot of people. And so I kind of dismissed my cancer story. It wasn't hard hitting as a lot of other people. I survived it. And literally, I didn't tell anybody for about five years about my cancer. I kind of just hit it. 
I wasn't ashamed of it, but I didn't think there was anything to talk about. And then I was having another quiet time, and, and then the Lord said, why did I do a miracle in your life if you're not going to tell anybody about it? Because God gets glory from the miracles. He said, I want you to tell people about what I did in your life. And I said, yes, sir. And so I began to do that. Here's the cool part of that story. Right after I found out that I had cancer, before I went into surgery, just a small window, I got a phone call from the American Cancer Society. And they called me and they said, hey, we're doing a fundraiser at the school that uh, we hear that you're connected with and going to be coaching at. And they said, we want you to be the speaker and, and pray over this time. It's a fundraiser where they do a walk-a-thon, walk around the track. And I just start like getting overwhelmed. We haven't told anybody about the cancer yet. And I said, how did you know that I have cancer? And they're like, we didn't know you had cancer. We just heard that you could speak and pray for us. And they said, tell us more. What are you going through? And so I told them. So I go and speak. And at these walkathons, they walk around the track to raise money. And they pick one person to walk the first lap all by themselves. And everybody stands around and just cheers them on. And they ask me to do that. And that's where I got probably one of my favorite, most favorite pictures. And this is me and my son, Riley. This is us that night. As you can see, Riley's just small. And I'm next to a bag that says in honor of. On the inside of the track were in honor of so-and-so. Those were the survivors. And on the outside, they were in memory of. And I remember bawling and being grateful that I had survived. But here's the thing, guys. For a season, I missed and dismissed the miracles of God. And I don't ever want to do it again. And I believe that God is consistently doing miracles in our lives. And I want to encourage you, whatever he's doing in your life, don't miss or dismiss it. The third thing I want us to point out is this. If the Lord has redeemed you, then say so. That's Psalm 107 too. If the Lord has redeemed you, then say so. Mark 5.20 says, So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. You see, when I tell people about my cancer, they're amazed at how God rescued me. If the Lord has redeemed you, then say so. God redeemed me. I just wasn't saying so. And here's the deal. They were amazed because they knew that man before Jesus and they knew him after Jesus. And they weren't the same. Nobody argued with the man. You see, you and I, people might argue about the Bible or about God. And I've had so many people debate me about God, but nobody's ever debated me about my cancer story. Nobody's ever debated that. It's just a fact. I had cancer. God intervened and I no longer have it. See, people could argue all day long about theology, but not about a changed life. And I want to share with you just a couple cool examples from the Journey family. Uh, one, this is Selena, Selena Winters. And uh, Selena is just on fire. She's loving the Lord. And she works at a small business. And, and she just, she wants to proclaim Christ publicly. She's just on fire. And so the way she fleshed that out is every Thursday morning, she's got a woman's Bible study that she's just sharing the hope and the love of God. Just like the man in Mark 5. And people are amazed at what God's doing in and through Selena, I know I am. 
And I'm proud of you, Selena. Thank you for leading us. Same thing with uh, a gentleman named Sterling. Sterling, some of you may remember, I went to high school. Sterling was able to baptize him in the fall. And Sterling's on fire. He's going to seminary, exploring a call to ministry. He's played basketball for decades, but now he plays differently. You see, after the games, when he's done playing basketball with his friends in the, in the community in the park, he stays behind and he passes out Bibles and tells people about Jesus. And people are amazed because he's proclaiming Christ publicly. Another gentleman named Kyle Crum serves in our student ministry at Apopka. I ran across something recently that Kyle had created. It's this invite card. And we didn't make this. Journey didn't make this. Kyle made this. And I came across this and I was blown away. I, said, I called Kyle. I said, Kyle, why did you make your own invite cards? And he said, well, I wanted to have something that I already had my phone number and my information because I'm, I just want to give these out and invite people into the story of God, invite people to journey, and I want to help them every step of the way. <sighs> Kyle, thank you for how you're proclaiming Christ publicly. I love that. My son Riley, who you just saw a little bit ago when he was knee high, just dropped him off this past week for three weeks. He's serving at a camp. In Georgia called Woodlands. It's a Christian camp and he's doing a leadership, a servant leadership program where he's going to be pouring in, helping serve hundreds of campers. Why? Because he wants to publicly proclaim Christ. Riley, I'm so proud of you more than you know. Alexis Graham just graduated from a high school here in May. And right now she's in Guatemala and she's working with our mission partners, Faith in Action. Why? Because she wants to publicly proclaim Christ to the people in Guatemala. Alexis, so proud of you. Grateful for you and what you're doing. And I absolutely love it. Here's the thing. Uh, many, many times for, for years, when I would talk to people about sharing uh, Jesus with their friends, their family, their coworkers, strangers, whoever, they had always say the same thing. So many people would say, hey, I, I just, I don't want to offend people. I don't want to rub people the wrong way. And so there was a sensitivity and that was why people said, I don't want to do it. But guess what? I got good news. 2020 blew that up because apparently nobody cares about offending anybody anymore. We'll say what we want, we'll post what we want, whether it's about politics, whether it's about masks, whether it's about vaccinations, whether it's about racism. It's like, we don't care about offending people anymore. And I would say this, I would say, take that same energy and use it to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Take the energy that you have about whatever given topic is out there that's trending and take that same passion and deliver the hope, the gospel, the good news to your neighbors, your co-workers, and tell them what God has done in your life. And they will be amazed. When people see a changed life, maybe not immediately, but eventually they're amazed. People don't argue with a changed life. Matthew 4, 25, we started with this. It says this, large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed them. First two words, large crowds. Why are there large crowds from the Decapolis following Jesus? How did that happen? Because there was one man that was given a mission trip by Jesus to go to the Decapolis and tell the people 
about the incredible things God has done. And he took his mission and his calling seriously. And he went to the Decapolis and told them, and revival started. You see, we don't know this person's name. We don't even know his face. What we know is his faithfulness. And let me ask you, are you okay with God doing a revival in your, in your community, in your family, in your workplace, at your school, even if that doesn't involve your face or your name? Are you good with that? Let me close with this. I want to introduce you to a guy named Nick Vujacek. Nick is uh, somebody that reminds me of a guy from the guy from Mark 5. Nick was born in 1982 in Australia with no arms and no legs. Had a lot of similar feelings that the guy in Mark 5 had of loneliness, of depression, suicidal thoughts. And then he had an encounter with Jesus and it changed everything. You see, once Nick had an encounter with Jesus, he found his purpose and he found his hope. And he began to proclaim Christ publicly. And that's what he does all around the world. The world is his Decapolis. He's led over a million people to Christ and his goal is to share the gospel with a billion people. As a matter of fact, in 2019, he got, and you can see the photo here, he got to pray with the president of Hungary that God would bring revival to that country. This man with no arms, no legs, just, just God has called and challenged and changed him is literally praying with presidents for revival. And I love what he said. He says this, if God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet, then he will certainly use any willing heart. Not good. So church, my prayer is this. Would we be willing to be used by God be his spokesman of what he is doing in and through us. And when we proclaim Christ's goodness, lives are changed. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for Nick. I thank you for uh, the, the people that we discuss from the guy in Mark 5 to all the people that are fleshing this out and living this out now. Thank you. And God, I pray, would you give us the boldness and the courage to share our stories? I think back when I was 22 and I kind of missed and dismissed the miracles in my life. And I think about the missed opportunities I had to brag on you. God, would we not be a community that wants to miss anything you want to do anymore? And so, God, would you continue to change us in every step of the way? Would we point to you? So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. If you like this podcast, we post a new message every week. So make sure to click that follow button and share it with your friends. Remember, Journey is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and through Jesus, anything is possible.